Hey everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, where you can hear our latest teachings and conversations. I think that's the highlight of my week, is listening to the kids take off and run downstairs. It's great. Good morning. Well, it feels like this is my first time preaching to a live congregation in about six years is what it feels like. And uh, you look beautiful, mask and all. It's good to see you from this point of view. And uh, it's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor John, for leading us in worship this morning. So good. Well, I hope you've been enjoying this journey through the book of Ephesians. We said at the start of the series that it would be crockpot and not microwave, right? It'd be slow cooker. And we're just kind of slow cooking along here week after week uh, through the book of Ephesians. And uh, I think we've been enjoying it. I know the the pastoral team, we've we've really been enjoying it. And uh, hopefully you are. Uh, We're only two more Sundays to Easter, right? Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, week after that is Easter, and uh, we're going to stay in Ephesians right through Easter because what we're reading here is obviously all about Jesus, and it points us to Jesus, and it speaks of the cross and the resurrection, and, um, and so we're just going to keep chugging along right through, right through Ephesians. So we're starting chapter 3 today, and in chapter 3, Paul reminds them that he is in prison for them. And not that it's all their fault. Um, he's not blaming them, but he's actually glad. Paul is, is happy to go to prison if it means that more people get to hear about Jesus. Like he, he's, he sees it as a good thing. Like he's glad. He's, he's proud of the fact that God would, would use him in that way. Uh, he's, he's happy be sitting in prison if it means that more people can hear about Jesus. There are, there are Christians, or, or I'll, I'll say church people in quotations, who wouldn't go to prison, you know, that somebody else might hear about Jesus. They're not going to even change their parking spot that somebody else might hear about Jesus. Like, they're not going to adjust where they sit in church that somebody else might hear about Jesus. They wouldn't change their music or or the pews, not you, of course, I'm not speaking about you. And Paul has uh, a celebration tone to his imprisonment for the good news, for the gospel. And he wants everyone to know how blessed he is sitting there in a Roman prison. And he's thankful to God for who God is and what God is doing in his life and what God is doing in other people's lives. And he just marvels at the grace of God and how God works. So perspective is everything, isn't it? Right? You can be sitting in a mansion and be miserable, or you could be sitting in a Roman prison and, and, and be writing about how blessed you are and how good God is and all the good things that, that God is doing. Perspective is everything. And when you see your life, your circumstances through the lens 
of God's will and what he is doing in you and through you and to others, it changes everything. Like when you see your life and your circumstances through the lens of God's will, this is, God is doing this for a reason. There's a purpose in this. When, you, when your perspective changes, it changes everything. And we could title this letter from Paul, we, we could title it Praise from a Prison Cell, right? Paul would rather be incarceration than outside of God's will, right? And you've heard me say this before. We're putting it up on the screen again. I've repeated this over and over for four years now. Who you are becoming is more important than what you are enduring. <laughs> we don't, we don't, usually that's not our first thought. Usually our first thought is, why is this happening to me? Right? But what's the purpose of this? Who, who I'm becoming is more important than what I am enduring. And you can grow through what you are going through if you have the right perspective. Now, those, those lines are cheesy. They're corny. They're just little rhymes to try to help us remember that I can grow through whatever I'm going through if I have the right perspective. Okay, so it's Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Did I tell you how good you look this morning? All right. You look great. Well, thank you. It feels good to have a mask off, to be honest. I think I'll preach all day so I can just keep that thing off. Paul, from a Roman prison cell in the first century, which you know would be just like the Hilton, right? Says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, Assuming by the way that you know, God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by his Spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, right, mighty power, some mighty power. I have been given the privilege of serving him. Did I mention a Roman prison cell? That, he says, I've been given a, the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. 
Raise your hand if you've ever re-gifted something. Come on, be honest, you're in church. From someone in this room. To someone in this room. Tanya's looking at her mother like, what? Paul is a, Paul is a re-gifter. In verse 2, he speaks about the responsibility that he feels to share uh, with others what God has given to him. He's going to re-gift it. And you do this all the time. Um, when you have a good experience with someone or something, you, you, it just comes out of you. You, you. you just feel like, I need to tell someone about that. That was so incredible or better than I expected or I enjoyed that so much that you're just like, i got to tell somebody. I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got to share um, this. I, I've got something like that in my life. You're going to hear about it right now, whether you want to or not. I, it's my heated vest. It's the greatest thing ever. Like, why? It's life-changing. Why did I not have one of those years ago? I wear it when I walk the dog. I wear it beachcombing. I wear it when I'm working in the old butcher basement of Newton's. I just hit a little button there and warm that thing right up. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a battery-powered heated vest. And it's life-changing. I'm telling you, I could be an evangelist for the heated vest. I could go on, I could go across Canada and, and just, you know, and do a tour and tell the world about this life-changing heated vest. Many of you have heard me talk about Berube. Berube is a guy in Fredericton who fixed my back. I couldn't walk, but I can now. Like I once was broken, but I'm not broken any. I was in pain, but I'm not now. And I'm an evangelist for Berube. Like I just, I just, I see somebody and they're kind of, you know, I, you need Berube. Like you, you also need Jesus, but you need Berube. Like you, you know, this guy can, can fix you. I'm an evangelist for him. And Paul recognizes his responsibility to share what God has given to him. He's like, I, this is not just for me. And, and I've, I've got to tell others about the good news um, that God has given to me, what God is doing. And by reminding us of, of that responsibility, I think he's nudging us to not keep in the good things of God to not be a reservoir, but to be a river, to, to think about, I've got to share with someone else God's goodness, God's love, God's grace, what he's doing in my, in my life. I've, I've got to share that. I've got to be a re-gifter and uh, pass that on to someone else. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but uh, in this letter, Paul has been building up suspense. He's been, he's been hinting about a plan, a mysterious plan, right? And uh, the plot thickens until we get to where we are this morning. Um, earlier in the, in the letter, he doesn't tell us what it is. He just hints at it. He hints that God has been up to something since creation, uh, since the fall of creation, and that it was clouded, it was a mystery to former generations. They didn't know. 
It was clouded in the Old Testament. And they knew, they, they had this sense that something was coming or someone was coming, but they didn't know. The plan had not yet been revealed. This is buildup of, of suspense. And they believed, the previous generations, they believed, though they didn't, they didn't yet know, and they trusted God, and they kept telling every generation, every generation told the next generation to keep trusting God, to keep waiting and believing because God's not done, God has a plan, and someday that plan will be revealed. And at some point, imagine this now, at some point, a group of people, somebody arrived in town with a fresh letter from Paul. And a group of people agreed to gather, and they were going to very likely unroll this fresh letter from Paul, and someone was going to read it publicly for the very first time. And somebody, whoever was privileged to read that letter, gets to read out loud verse 6. And this is God's plan. Can you imagine the suspense? We've only been waiting thousands of years, centuries. This, this is the... The answer, the mystery is about to be revealed. This is the, the mystery that, that our ancestors have talked about, and Paul is finally going to tell us what it is. <coughs> this is one dry sermon, I tell you that. You can tell I haven't preached in a long time. Um, the promise that God gave to Abraham is about to be revealed for the very first time. So I think we should read it again, don't you? Verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. So there it is. For emphasis, Paul tripeats, not repeats, he, he tripeats the word both. Three times he uses that word both. What was broken in, <coughs> excuse me, Pastor John, I think, went to get me a drink in North Head. <laughs> There's no water in Grand Harbor. He's a good man. He's trying his best. He's trying to find water. While I die up here. What was broken in the Garden of Eden is restored in the empty tomb. It's restored. Come right up, my friend. There's room at the cross for you. 
Thank you. This both that Paul tripeded. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it is this morning. This both is for emphasis. Both, both, both. It's an image of restoration. It's the coming together of things that could never have come together before. That that was, was what was broken in the Garden of Eden, and everybody knew for centuries, it's broken. We're all broke. We're all dead in our sin. It's broken. We're messed up. What was broken is now restored in the empty, by the empty tomb. Paul uses words of unity, things or people that were separated by sin are now brought together in Jesus. Things are, are made new. Things are made whole. What used to look like a shattered mess is now brought together in, in a beautiful picture of what God can do. Maybe that's your story. Right? That, that this is who I was before Jesus. And he healed me. And he fixed me. And he restored me. And this is what Paul is, is talking about. This is who God is. This is what God does. The resurrection of Jesus. The good news. It's an invitation for all people of all races. This both. Paul says the Jews and the Gentiles, the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? There's now, there, it's, all, it's all us now. We're one. The resurrection of Jesus is an invitation for all people of all races, nationalities, ethnicities to come together as brothers and sisters sons and daughters, part of the same body. The cross has bridged all racial and ethnic divides. Paul says, you guys over there and you guys over there, you're now both. It's, it's for all of us. We're, we're coming together because the cross and the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus restores and heals and renews and breathes new life. Uh, wow. We're all equal at the cross. We're all welcome at the cross. No one is greater. Oh, yeah, but I was born a Jew. We're, it, now it's us, both. We're both now. You, you it used to be those guys and those guys. And now it's, it's both. We're all welcome at the cross. No one is greater or deserves more privilege. We are all God's children. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children 
of the world. Get caught in the act of loving people who don't look like you. Because newsflash this morning, Jesus doesn't look like you. Um, I can take you to Israel. I've been there many times. Um, I'll tell you what you look like in Israel. You look like a tourist. So, get caught in the act of loving people who don't look like you. When we merged the churches, we demonstrated unity, didn't we? We showed people that we could put the mission ahead of our preferences, mission ahead of method. Always put mission ahead of methods. The building of the new church is a demonstration of unity. I hear, maybe you hear other churches say, well, we could never do that. It's because they've married the methods and they're dating the mission or the vision. They're so stuck in their methods that it's literally a death grip. They will close the church doors. They'll lock them up. They will, they will literally die because they will not change. And when you love your preferences more than someone else's relationship with Jesus, that's a problem. Um, methods are temporary means of sharing the message. Methods are temporary, that's a key word, means of sharing, the method, of sharing the message. Methods have a shelf life, and they get old and stinky. And when the horse is dead, don't forget to dismount. And a lot of churches, unfortunately, the horse is dead, and People just say, oh, it's, it's fine. It's just having a nap. It's okay. Rather than say, I, I, we might have a problem. Maybe, maybe we need to do something about that. Um, how did I get into that? I get into that talking about unity and what you did when you said, let's sell all three buildings and start something new is a demonstration, that demonstration of unity is a demonstration of, of what Paul is saying here when he says, when he says both, like, let's, let's work together, let's come together, this, this, this idea that, that, that Christ would be first. It's, uh, I'm not saying it well enough this morning, but it's, it's a demonstration of, of what God can do when we, when, we, when we work together. It's beautiful. In Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham that he would be a blessing to all nations and that all families on earth would be a part of that blessing. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise from Genesis chapter 12. And, what, and this verse that we read is Paul pulling back the curtain and telling everyone that we're now a part of that 
blessing. We're now in the blessing. And when this was read out loud publicly for the first time or the first few times or whatever, people, there would have been rejoicing and dancing at, at this news. Like there would have been tremendous excitement in, in people hearing that they are now, they're living in this promise that God gave to their ancestor Abraham so many years ago. They, it, it would have been thrilling to them um, to, to hear this for the first, and obviously it's, we can't appreciate it the way that, that, that they would have. There would have been tears and hugs and Cadbury Easter eggs and they probably would have worshipped, yes, I'm sure of it, and they probably would have worshipped and sang and praised God and just allowed the wonder of it all to drench over their souls as, as they heard these words spoken. And it hits us differently, partly because of our, this Western world that we live in, we're so removed. And uh, our Western world mindset that interprets the word blessing as things that we can see and things that make our lives better. Like, blessing to them would be, then, would be very different from when we hear, hear the word blessing um, for us now. Um, blessings. If I said to you, what would be a blessing? You'd think, well, you could start by paying off all my debts. Uh, you know, buy me a new house, give me a new car. But this group of people would have seen, they would have seen the, the relational walls coming down. They would have seen ancestral hatred being erased. They would have seen love without boundaries or rules. Like, from now on, you can love one another as brother and sister, and that would have been dance party right then. Like, you see what I mean? How it just would have been mind-blowing. There's no more them and, and, and them. Now it's just all us. And we all are brothers and sisters. And we all get to share the, the same blessings as children of God. We all get to share in this. And, and it would have been thrilling to them. Lines erased and biases forgotten. We could better understand this text if, we could, if, if there was a way for us to sit in a room with, that was filled with people from, from all over the world. Every, every, you see what I mean? And, and you get to see those faces and look at them and say, we look very different. And we're brothers and sisters. And I love you. In the, you know, in, in Jesus, and, and, and just to sense, to sense that. Um, or think about two nations on earth that hate each other, like right now. They hate each other. And if you could see one person from that nation and one person from the other nation reach out and embrace each other and say, I love you, in the name of Jesus, brother or sister. Like, if you could see that kind of reconciliation happen, it's the kind of thing that Paul is talking about. And what else can do that except the power 
of the resurrected Jesus. Second part of verse 6, we'll read that again. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. God's children inherit God's riches. If you know Jesus today, you're rich. Pastor John mentioned all the zeros in his bank account. All I have are zeros. <laughs> this line of zeros goes on forever. If you know Jesus, you are rich, but maybe, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I don't feel very rich. Because the world tells us all day, every day, that you're not rich unless you have this or unless you have that. So-and-so has that, and you don't have that, so they're rich and you're not. You see, like we're, we're told this all the time. Um, and there is a, a party of praise coming out of a Roman prison cell from a Jewish man who met the resurrected Son of God. And he's lost everything because of Jesus. And he's facing death because of Jesus. And he writes with joy in his heart to tell others that if you have Jesus, you have everything. You're rich. It's amazing. It's no coincidence, I, I don't believe, that we are in this text today, two weeks before Easter, that whenever God planted the idea in our hearts, let's do a series in Ephesians that he knew that we would, we would be on this text on this Sunday, two Sundays before Easter is not a coincidence. So if you haven't yet already started like a, a spiritual journey towards Easter, let, let's start today, two weeks. Start your spiritual journey towards Easter. And let's specifically focus on the restoring power of Jesus. This is what Paul says. This is the plan. This always was the plan. It was a mystery back then. It's not a mystery anymore. His plan is, is to restore all things, to restore all relationships, to restore uh, everything, us. Let's focus on the restoring power of Jesus. That Jesus' work on the cross and suffering and dying his work in the grave and then defeating death, there is restoring, restoring, resurrecting power in Jesus today. And it's available in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life. It's available. It's available. It's available. He can restore. He can heal. He can put things back together. He can change things. He makes it new. This is what he does. Paul's, Paul tells him, this is, this is God's plan. This is what he does. Paul says that believers, those who believe in Jesus, 
They get to share. We get to share in this beautiful work of God. So, if there is someone you aren't talking to, a broken relationship, I always try not to look at anybody in particular when I say those things, because people say, oh, you're looking at me, why is he looking at me? I looked right at me. If there is someone that you aren't talking to, a broken relationship, the most Jesus-like thing you can do is reach out to restore that relationship. That's, that's the most, because Jesus did not die so that we could have broken relationships with other people. Like, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. Um, if there's someone you know who has a broken relationship with the church, which is practically all of us, we all, have, we all know people who have a broken relationship with the church, uh, reach out to them. You've got two weeks. Um, if there are things that need healing, the, the mystery, the plan is that God would restore. That's what he does. He, he heals. Um, God, give us courage to walk towards the messes. Give us courage to shine your light into the darkness. There is fresh grace available for old wounds. Amen? And what, what's more powerful than the restoring power of Jesus? Nothing. What's like it in the world? Nothing. Does the world have anything better than this? No. There's nothing like it. Um, it's the most powerful force on earth. Let's pray together. God, I just want to thank you again this morning, Lord, for uh, your word and your presence. And you are here. And uh, I know, Lord, that you're speaking to many of us this morning. And uh, I just pray, God, that you would give us the, the humility to open our, our hearts, our minds to you and not resist, uh, to allow you to speak to those uh, sore spots, whatever they are. Uh, if we have them, and to give us the courage to to act on it, to at least pray about it, and 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 be open to you to your what you want to do, and give us the faith to believe in your healing, restoring power. In Jesus' name. Amen. And all masks said, Amen. Thanks for listening and joining us today. If you'd like to know more about the Lighthouse Church, you can find us on Facebook at Lighthouse Graham and Ann or on Instagram at The Lighthouse GM. We'd love to chat with you more. Maybe something jumped out at you or grabbed your attention while you were listening today. We would love to talk with you and discuss some of the deeper questions of life together. God loves you, we love you, and we're in this together.